Hello, everybody, and welcome to Blackhawks on Tap. I am Johnny Nani, joined tonight by Ron Luce. Ron, we are talking about one flat performance and then one pissed off performance where they look good. Uh, first of all, thoughts on since we're reacting initially to tonight's game, um, how's it make you feel? Yeah, tonight I feel really good. Uh, coming into this one, you know, we we joked before we started recording this evening, like, hey, we get to talk about a win and a well-needed win. Uh, talk about a 180 from, you know, one night to the next, especially playing. I, I think what makes tonight's win almost as impressive as it could be is that, you know, this team played last night. Mm-hmm. You know, and you, I don't want to say you would never know it, but. Like they responded really well for just playing the night before and traveling overnight. You know, Winnipeg's not an easy flight. It's still, you know, a two hour flight from Chicago. So the fact that they were able to have the type of performance they did uh, makes it even more impressive. But wow, what a 180 from Wednesday to Thursday, man. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is the, you know, you, you say about uh, back-to-backs and all that, and I know it's hard on, you know, with travel and then uh, just on the bodies physically, but the Blackhawks have been outstanding in the second half of back-to-back so far this season. So I don't know what it is, but uh, NHL schedule makers, I guess, schedule all of ours back-to-back. Um, I mean, that, that's what it seems like, the record. I couldn't pull up the record now, um, but I know it was outstanding before. I think they were like 6-1-1 one, and one or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it only increased tonight uh, with that win at Winnipeg but uh like you said what they had to 180 from was a poor performance so we'll just touch on this briefly weren't able to get a uh post game recap for Wednesday night's game against Colorado out really quickly uh that was a 4-1 loss um was 1-1 at the end of the first period but uh I would say that the domination of that game went entirely in favor of the uh Colorado Avalanche aside from a very small mini push uh in the first period and then obviously towards the end when you're pressing yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I thankfully was in and out of watching that game just because I knew it was not going to go well. Colorado's just such a good team. And, you know, it's they're the definition of a wagon. Yeah, they, re- they really are. I think they're arguably the best team in the West right now. I think it's between them and St. Louis. Uh, when you look at teams top to bottom in the Western Conference right now, those are by far the best two teams. Uh, and obviously, those are the, the two teams so far that have really had incredible success against the Hawks this season. You saw, you know, that 4-0 beatdown on the Hawks that St. Louis had at the UC just, you know, what was that, two, three weeks ago? Yeah, very bad. And then obviously that meltdown on Saturday against St. Louis. I mean, you know, any other team in the NHL down three goals more often than not doesn't come back in that game. But again, St. Louis, very good team. They do. Colorado comes out and just dominates. Colorado's so fast, too. And that's that's what allows them to be as good as they are. They're just going to outgun everybody. Mm-hmm. Nathan McKinnon's got speed. Rotman's got speed. You know, when Landis Cog is healthy, he's got speed. Yost. I mean, the whole lineup. Kale McCarr is the best young D-man in the NHL right now, in my opinion. I mean, By they far. have By so far. much, so much going for them. So, um, yeah, I mean, you said it best. It was just Colorado dominated play. There, there's no... No surprise as to why they won that hockey game uh, on Wednesday night because they yeah. were absolutely dominant. I mean, you just look at scoring chances, uh, 29-16 in favor of Colorado in that one. I mean, that tells the uh, tale of the tape. Not even a great night from Corey Crawford could have, uh, you know, prevented that because uh, you got to score. To score, you got to uh, have the puck. 
And when the other team's just able to run circles around you, you're not going to have the puck too often. So, um, like I said, a little bit of a press at the end, but that's always expected for a team that's down by multiple goals. So um, I think we can kind of wash our hands free of that one, Ron, and get into the fun stuff tonight. Four-point night for Patty Kane. Yeah. Uh, and the crazy stat I heard on the post-game show that uh, is certainly worth sharing um, is that he has, in his career, 12 four-point games. 11 of those 12 have come since the 2015-16 season, so the year after yeah. the last Cup, so his MVP year. I, it's crazy to think, I mean, and granted, statistically, a male's prime is from ages 28 to 32, mm-hmm. and he's in that window right now, um, so I'm not terribly surprised by that, but that is a crazy statistic. Uh, 12 career four-point games, 11 coming in the last what four years uh, but he was he was sensational tonight all primary helpers too uh none of those secondary helpers for for patty kane tonight he was mm-hmm. dominant uh and that goal at the end just to seal it was an absolute beauty of a, a shot uh yeah absolutely so I, I know everyone wants to talk about patrick kane and obviously he lit up the score sheet uh but another guy who probably doesn't get as much recognition as he should tonight um is robin leonard only allowing one goal he was 36 37 uh 973 save percentage, uh, five for five uh, in power plays. Um, you know, he uh, he really sealed the deal. I mean, not sealed the deal, but he carried them through that second period because the Blackhawks, people forget, only had three shots on goal in that middle frame. Yeah, they 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 really struggled in that middle frame. And, um, you know, Laner all season long has just been an absolute dominant goaltender. Uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't think his ERA or ERA, I got baseball <laughs> on the mind. Sorry, goals against average. Um, I don't think it's at all reflective of how well he's played. Um, mm-hmm. The way he's playing right now, he should have a goals against average under two. Um, you know, if, the, if, if, let me put it this way for, to appease to the common Blackhawk fan. If Robin Lehner at this point in his career was playing behind any of the defenses for those cup teams, his goals against average would legitimately be like a one seven. It would be yeah. stupid. You wouldn't beat him in that. It, that's just how well he's played. Um, you know, and his, his win loss record is also not reflective of how he's played either. So uh, kudos to him tonight on another excellent game, 37 saves um, only one goal allowed. I think that came out to like a nine seventy, almost flat save percentage. Um, so he was absolutely spectacular once again, and a uh, good thing that he actually got a win now to to complement that excellent outing that he had. Yeah, well-deserved. Uh, one more thing uh, on Robin Leonard before we move on to the rest of the happenings in this game. Uh, last time I checked, I forget the exact source of it, but um, you know, Robin Leonard saves, I think it's 1.13 uh, goals more than he's expected to, uh, mm-hmm. whereas the next highest one is .97. Um, which is just tells you how leaps and bounds ahead he is of everyone. And that just further justifies the point that uh, you had just made about if he's playing behind an elite defense, man, uh, there would be a sub, uh, you know, two uh, goals against average. So uh, Robin Leonard, kudos, uh, major stick tap to him tonight. Um, but you know what? Another guy that um, I, a lot of people like to rag on him, and rightfully so. He's made some dumb plays. Uh, but tonight he, he made a few smart plays and he uh, finished one too. Alexander Nylander. Talk about him a little bit, Ron. Mm, yeah, uh, very impressive Nylander tonight. Obviously, that that first goal was a very nice play. Great pass from Patrick Kane, uh, an elite pass from Patrick Kane. But uh, good job on Nylander to, you know, get a good quick shot off, 
to that short side on that side of Hellebuck and, and squeak it through, uh, who is, you know, Hellebuck is a very good goaltender. So it's not like they were playing, you know, Winnipeg's number two tonight. I mean, this is an elite goaltender in the NHL. So good on him. And then a great play, you know, and everybody's like, oh, well, that pass that he had to Kane was wide open and it's Kane. He starts that play with an excellent takeaway. You know, I know we've been dogging him about effort a lot this year. That was an effort play from Nylander. Mm-hmm. He comes back on a great back check, causes a turnover. Boakvist gets possession, throws it up the boards in Nylander, and it just so happens he finds Kane wide open on the other side of the ice, uh, pretty much from the blue line in with space, and and Kaner finishes it. So good job on Nylander tonight. I'm glad he had one of these games. I think he needed one of these games just from a confidence perspective. Yeah. Um, and one thing I I guess I will slightly applaud Colleton on is giving him a chance to have one of these games. You know, it's, I feel like it's very easy sometimes for these guys to just get buried on the fourth line when they're struggling. You know, he's really trying to give them every opportunity to have these type of confidence games, and he finally had one. And I'm hoping we get to see more of these as the, the season rolls on. Yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. Uh, one note about Nylander's tally, uh, that came at the 59-second mark of the first period. Uh, Ron, I'm going to go ahead and say it. First-minute goals of a period are cool and tough because they had another one uh, with Dominic Kubelik striking in uh, the first minute of the final frame of this game, and that was, uh, you know, just we're, we're going to keep piling it, uh, the praise on Patrick Kane here. Uh, unbelievable steal. He is a sly thief. Uh, what an unbelievable <laughs> play as that will look to be a sure uh, zone exit for Winnipeg, but uh, Patrick Kane just kind of, you know, stayed with it, and uh surprised them in taking the puck away and then he was able to just slip it through it wasn't a pretty extremely sexy pass by any means but he got to the area and Kubelik uh going uh backhand forehand finishing um mm. that, that was excellent I, I was a really big fan of that uh and then on the power play uh Ron you and I talked about it right before um we jumped on so why don't you go ahead and repeat sort of that your breakdown of that play and how it fooled Hellebuck uh with Gustafson's power play tally yeah, so I mean, for everybody that was watching the game, you can visualize along with me. But obviously, Gustafson was at the point on the power play, Patrick Kane on that right wing wall. And uh, when Patrick Kane got the puck back after Winnipeg just essentially failed to clear the puck, um, and rather than giving it back to Gustafson at the point, he walked it to the point uh, and really ultimately walked it into the high slot. So he was bearing down on Hellebuck from dead on down the ice. Um, it's very easy to get lost when Patrick Kane does that because he's Patrick Kane, you know, he can get a shot off. He can, and he sold shot. If you watch the replay again, he he's looking shoot almost the entire way. So if you're Hellebuck, you are, you know, you're square to the shooter. You want to be in that position, but Patrick Kane being Patrick Kane at the last second, you know, just, just gets enough of a body position to get an excellent pass. No look to Gustafson, who's sitting right where Kane was on that right wing side, and Hellebuck's way out of position, and and that was purely that play made happen because Patrick Kane is Patrick Kane. If that's any other player doing that, do I think Gustafson still scores? Potentially. It was a very it, it was a good top corner shot. I mean, it was well placed. May not have had the same steam on it that he would have wanted, but it was well placed. Uh, but man, I just there's something about Patrick Kane with the puck that. I mean, I even get mesmerized watching him with the puck just as a fan. So, um, you know, knowing that Hellebuck probably got hypnotized as well uh, only benefits, you know, Eric Gustafson in that play. But just what a play. What a play from Kane. What a finish from Gustafson. 
Yeah, I think you worded that perfectly. You took the words right out of my mouth. I actually was going to say mesmerizing. Uh, that's what Patrick Kane mm-hmm. is. So um, you broke that play down, and you touched a little bit on this one earlier, uh, the kind of Nylander play to set up Patrick Kane for the final goal that made it 4-1, to one, uh, ultimately the final tally in this game, uh, the dagger, I guess you could call it. Um, but, yeah, that was, I think it's great uh, that Boquist is out there. And granted, I know you already have the uh, two-goal lead there, but uh, Boquist out there in that situation it was at the 16-39 mark is when the goal came, uh, but he made a great play to advance the puck to Nylander, uh, who you know put an excellent pass up to uh, Patrick Kane to even make that happen. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, all around, uh, Duncan Keith before this game said they needed to play a little pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely think there was an element of that, and you can do that without you know being goonish and uh, you know there were you know a couple of, like big hits in this game, but it, it doesn't always have to be that. It, like I said, it's just a approach, a mentality, um, and I definitely think they picked up on that. Duncan Keith led by example. He made multiple great defensive plays in this one. He had two blocks, two hits, um, you know, had one takeaway as well, two shots on goal for him and uh, led all defensemen with uh, 23-26 time on ice. So uh, I really, it's a blessing to have Keith back in the lineup, Ron. Yeah, it really is. And something to kind of add on while we're talking about the defense, uh, you mentioned Bokvist being out there at that, that moment of that goal, um, you know, where he gets the secondary assist on that Kane goal. Very good job, I think, tonight by the coaching staff balancing ice time. This is probably the most balanced, especially given the DeHaan injury, given Seabrook not being in the lineup. This is the most balanced with two essentially rookies. I consider Gilbert a rookie at this point. Uh, you know, two rookies in the lineup, Duncan Keith just coming back, Eric Gustafson. You know, they did a great job balancing ice time. Duncan Keith, as you mentioned, just over 23 minutes of ice time. Uh, but Connor Murphy was the only other defenseman to play over 20 minutes. He played 2145. Um, then from there, Gustafson was was second with 1933. 233 of that was on the power play. So that's understandable. And that's how he should be used. And then, you know, Olimata with 1818, Gilbert with 1732, and Boakfist was 1707. Everybody was between 24 and 17 minutes. That's good balance from yes. a defensive standpoint. That's how you use your D core group. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw that tonight because they've actually played a fairly decent defensive game, especially in that third period. Yeah, I am totally with you. And that is uh, uncharacteristic for um, what we've seen as of late. I believe even that Minnesota game, there was still kind of uh, a lot of disparity between there. I think Boquist still was only in the 13-minute range uh, mm-hmm. for that Minnesota game. So uh, definitely good, uh, like our guest on Four Feathers on Tuesday night had said, to have Bamford, uh, you know, it's time to you know let these guys spread their wings a little bit, uh, show what they can do, uh, be out there in the crunch time situations. That's the only way they're ever going to learn. So uh, definitely with you and kudos to the coaching staff for finally balancing some of that out there um and you know f- forward time on ice pretty much balanced out too but if you're going here looking at this box score here and you look oh why did brandon side only have 816 unfortunately that is because he suffered an injury um he kind of took a hit along the wall and uh fell awkwardly and at first it looked like a knee but they said he wouldn't return to the game because of an ankle uh, right before the third period when they announced that and we're just getting word from uh eric lear of blackhawks TV says no firm timeline on Brandon's side yet, but Jeremy Collins said he'll be out around a couple of weeks. So Ryan, your soul must be crushed right now. Yeah, I'm not happy about it. I'm very sad. I'm very upset, but I, I, it's starting to sound like it's a sprain. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Anytime you say ankle in a couple of weeks, I know from personal experience during my college football days, uh, I had plenty of those. 
Definitely probably a sprained ankle. Obviously, in hockey, it's a lot different having a sprained ankle because you can tape it as much as you want, but you need your ankles to be at full strength to be effective. So, um, you know, hopefully a couple of weeks is, in fact, only a couple of weeks. You know, hopefully he's back maybe that second week of January. Um, you know, they get the couple extra days with the Christmas break, which I think is an excellent thing that the NHL does, allowing all players to be off Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with their families. Um, so hopefully, you know, he comes back, he's healthy because he's had an excellent season. I know everybody dogs him because he can't finish and blah, blah, blah. But like the guy's that, constantly generating offense. Yeah. You know, he's constantly just a high energy player. I actually, you know, I, I really liked what Robin Lehner said in his post game interview tonight. Um, he, you know, they asked him about the Brandon Saad injury and he said, yeah, he's like, you know, he said, that's a tough one. Obviously, we've had a ton of injuries this year. He said, but uh, but Sodder, you know, he he might be our hardest working player. I agree. And that is almost verbatim, verbatim what Lehner said. And I agree too. You know, he's just a high energy player, you know, and when you're that kind of player, the goals will come. I think he's, you know, he's gonna start heating up. Um, you know, and I think he was going to. Uh, you know, he had the two goals and and or three goals in two games, you know, just just earlier in the week. You know, so hopefully for his sake, it's it's just a couple of weeks and not multiple weeks. Um, but yeah, uh, soul is certainly crushed. Um, ankle injuries to your favorite players are lame and weak. So I'm very yeah, yeah, no, that one hurts. And you know, especially because you know you saw earlier in this week, especially after those, uh, you know, that kind of scoring stretch that he had to. Uh, at St. Louis on Saturday and then one on Sunday on a redirect goal. Very cool and tough. Love redirect goals. But um, mm-hmm. after that, you know, you see all the headlines from, you know, Ben Pope of Chicago Sun-Times, from Charlie Emiliotis of uh, NBC Sports Chicago, and they're writing all these, uh, you know, Brandon ha- Brandon Saad playing some of the best hockey of his career, and he knows it. Um, and, you know, he's uh, aware of, you know, how effective he was um, making players around him better, no doubt, uh, because whenever he was on the ice, scoring chances are much more in favor of of his line than whatever line he is going up against. So unfortunate timing here, uh, both for Brandon Saad in his hot streak and also with all the other injuries given uh, that the Blackhawks have right now. But uh, Ron, I think that about wraps up everything from this game. Do you have any final thoughts before we move on to the Colorado game Saturday? Uh, just one quick stat correction for myself. So people don't rip me to shreds. Um, Laner did not make 37 saves. He faced 37 shots. So 36 saves. Uh, that's on me. And it's a 973 save percentage. So I was close. I knew it was around 970. Um, but no, I, I just echoing again. Uh, this was I, I, another quote I'm going to take from Laner that I fully agree with. I think this kind of wraps it up perfectly from my standpoint is he said, you know, that third period is probably the best third period the Blackhawks have played with a lead all season. And I completely wholeheartedly agree. Um, especially with a lot of young guys in there tonight, guys like Gilbert, guys like Bokvist, obviously with the Dahan injury, obviously with, you know, Seabrook being quote unquote injured, um, you know, with Mata not playing maybe as many minutes as they would allow him to, uh, you know, since he's just kind of coming back from some ailments and whatnot. So, um, yeah, very, very happy overall with the performance. Yeah, uh, I am too. I'm satisfied. I really like that Leonard quote as well because uh, we've been kind of dying for a killer mentality, uh, something that we talked about a lot. How do you gain, regain that killer mentality that the old you know, cup teams used to have uh, when we were talking with Tab Bamford on Tuesday night? 
And, uh, you know, uh, performances like this can definitely boost confidence and teach these guys, these some of these younger players that may not have been in situations where it's really crunch time where you need to close a game out before. Uh, doing it and succeeding in that uh, it can mean all the confidence in the world going forward. So uh, I'm really happy with that. And uh, just, you know, finishing games because it feels like uh, it, it's just been so sparse uh, for us this year in, in being able to actually do that. So uh, I, I was glad we were able to close one out and leave no doubt because, you know, you don't want the end where uh, you're only up by one or two and the other team's really pressing with an empty net. Um, so it, it didn't even get to that point, and I was very happy and thankful for that. Uh, my, my heart is thankful. Um, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it, it was much needed, especially after seeing us get uh, manhandled against Colorado on uh, Wednesday night. So speaking of the Colorado Avalanche, Ron, uh, we're back in their building uh, in Denver on Saturday night. Um, that is going to be a tough one, to say the least. Yeah, I'm honestly not looking forward to it um, as as awful as I mean, obviously, I'm always looking forward to Blackhawks hockey because I love Blackhawks hockey and I think we all do. But I mean, talk about a team with depth. I just I'm looking at their, you know, their stats right now. And here's what's incredible. So they have uh, let me do a quick count. One, two, three, four, five, six, six players over 20 points uh, in comparison the Blackhawks have one, two, three, four players over 20 points. And, you know, one of those is a defenseman, Kale McCarr, 28 points on the season. But just the amount of depth this team has. Jonas Donskoy is having an excellent year for them this year. He's already got 13 goals. Uh, Nazem Kadri, who's effectively, you know, a second to third line player, has 11 goals already. Berkorovsky, kind of reborn, leaving, you know, Washington Coming to this Avalanche team, he's over 20 points. Uh, Miko Rotnin, he's only played 18 games, ladies and gentlemen. He has 24 points. Um, oh, and don't forget about a little guy named Nathan McKinnon who has 52 points in 34 games. They're yeah. just so deep. They're so talented. Do I think the Hawks could beat them? Maybe if they were full strength. You know, maybe if guys like Shaw and and you know Saad and uh, even you know I would almost even argue guys like uh, Drake Ajula. If those type of guys are in the lineup, and then obviously guys like Dahan on defense, I, I say they have a chance. But, you know, I mean, anything can happen. That's the beauty of hockey. I'm not going to sit here and be super negative and say, oh, they can never win this game. They can certainly win. I mean, there's always a, prob- a possibility of that, but the probability is certainly very low. Um, you know, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, I, I want, at least if they're going to lose, I'd rather them compete more and not get totally just whitewashed like they did. Yeah. Wednesday night. I think that is the biggest thing, Ron. I'd wrote an article about uh, Duncan Keith's comments saying that uh, they need to get a little pissed off, uh, uh, things of that nature. Um, and that's what I said. It's games where they just look lifeless. Uh, you look at the games like that, both of the games, uh, I guess maybe not the first game on Black Friday when they played the Avalanche, but that definitely the second of that back-to-back when they lost 7-3. to Robin Leonard pulled uh, at Colorado back at the very end of November there. Uh, that's another lifeless game. You look at the game at Vegas, what is it, they lost 5 to nothing or 5-1? to one. Oh, yeah, 5-1. to one because they got a late power play goal. You know, games like that, um, it's been way too common uh, this year. And uh, it, it... it's time to start showing some fight and it sucks that we're at this point, but I mean, Colorado is just such a superior opponent that um, the, the Blackhawks sh- could at least, uh, you know, <laughs> make it look like they're uh, giving a damn, uh, make it look like they're not throwing in the towel. Even if they do give up an early goal or two, um, you know, show some of that fight back. Uh, you had a bad period tonight at Winnipeg. 
they went, to, you know, turned that around completely in the third period uh, when it, the other team should be pressing. So it's not impossible. They can do it. But uh, like you said, probability of a win is probably pretty low here just because Colorado is the definition of a wagon. I said it before, say it again. I'll probably say it after Saturday night's game as well. So, um, I mean, we just face these guys on uh, Wednesday night. If you want a little bit more analysis on that, you can go and listen to the latest episode of Four Feathers. That is episode 36 with Tab Bamford. Uh, he helped us. You know, we did a lot of a breakdown of, you know, recent trends with the Blackhawks. And then Tony and I kind of wrapped it up how we usually do looking ahead at the week um, who we're going to be playing. And we did uh, a lot of Colorado analysis at the back end of that show. So, um, Ron, final thoughts before we wrap this thing up. Two little things. Um, one, I want to confirm to you that after tonight on the second leg of a back to back, the Blackhawks are seven and one on the season. I did a count. Um, so confirming the suspicion. So you were right. They were six and one going into tonight. Um, yeah, I didn't so know now our overtime loss in there, but yeah, no, no overtime loss, but yeah, seven and one now on the season. Uh, other fun fact, this is just a total like fun, literal fun fact. Um, the Colorado avalanche have six players that have a Jersey number greater than 80. Wow. Yeah, it, uh, useless that is, that stat. Is a fun little fact. I, yeah, useless yeah, stat. I, but I'm a uniform nerd, so I appreciate it, Ron. Uh, <laughs> I, I, if if anything, uh, your co-host appreciates it here. Um, uh, right now, as we're recording this, it is 10:13 on uh, Thursday night, uh, December 19th. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche are in action right now. They're up one to nothing on the Carolina Hurricanes in the middle of the third period there. So uh, they do, that is uh, their last game, though, before they play the Blackhawks. They'll be off on Friday um, hosting Blackhawks on Saturday night. Um, that will be a, let's get the time up here, 8 o'clock uh, start on NBC Sports Chicago Plus. So um, that'll do it. That sets the stage for Saturday night. Um, it was great talking about a win with you, Ron. Uh, let's close it out how we always do. Let's go, Hawks, Johnny. Let's go, Hawks.